Coming up in this episode of the Creepy Kingdom Cinema Crypt, we talk with Mallory O'Mara, the author of the book The Lady from the Black Lagoon, live at Midsummer Scream 2019. Welcome to the Creepy Kingdom Cinema Crypt, Creepy Kingdom's podcast, all about the creepiness of films. I am your host, Mr. James H. Carter II, here to bring you another episode of the Creepy Kingdom Cinema Crypt. It's been a while, but the Cinema Crypt has been opened for a very special occasion. That's right, coming up in this very episode, we sit down and talk with author Mallory O'Mara, author of the book The Lady from the Black Lagoon, a biography of Millicent Patrick, who designed the Creature from the Black Lagoon outfit and worked on Chernabog from the Night on Bald Mountain segment in Fantasia, amongst many other things we discuss about Millicent. And we did it live in front of an audience at Midsummer Scream 2019, which took place in Long Beach, California on August 4th. Now, we at the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network have a lot of Midsummer Scream coverage coming your way. Of course, the Dark Theme Park Show will have tons of coverage, as well as the return of our podcast, Stay Haunted, All About Haunts, as there were Major haunt announcements, major haunt panels, a lot of fun stuff coming your way, a lot of Midsummer Screen coverage coming your way in podcast form. You've been following along at home or on our social media. We've already started re- uh, releasing our written recaps of a lot of the panels, and we will continue to do so. So if you were able to make it to Midsummer Scream and you just want to uh, relive it again, or if you were not, either way, we got you covered. So lastly, before we get into this episode, we are coming to the East Coast. That's right. Spooky Day in the Park is coming to Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom on September 7th. We are less than a month out. I can't believe it. I'm so excited for this. We have partnered with Spooky Empire, who put on the East Coast biggest horror convention. It's definitely Florida's. And we're joining forces with them to bring you a fun meetup day at Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World. So we would love to meet every you know everyone listening that goes to Walt Disney World that's local that can get down there for that date. Do it up. It is the day after the first um, night of Hollywood Horror Nights at Universal Orlando. <laughs> so. Make a weekend of it. Come on. Come on down. <laughs> you can find uh, all the info about that. We'll be posting uh, meetup times and uh, activities and all that stuff very soon. But there's a website. It's spookydayintheparks.com. All right. Without any further ado, 
Let's open the crypt. And let the show begin. Hey, everybody. How we doing? That's great. I wasn't just standing over there. I just wanted to do, just so you know, that's my boyfriend. So if I say sweetie, I'm wow. not like harassing him. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I mean, that's, yes. that's fair. All right. I mean, well, how about I introduce everyone? Yeah, go for it. You could do that. <laughs> Before we claim our relationship status. <laughs> yeah, Shannon, I thought you liked me. I do. Okay. I'll take you over, James. Oh, sorry, dude. Wow, this has been a rough <laughs> panel, and we're just getting started. <laughs> Anyways, um, thanks for coming. Um, we're the Creepy Kingdom podcast. We cover all things spooky from films and theme parks, and we also create films, and do podcasts like this. And my name is James, and right next to you is my co-host, Miss Roxy Tart. Hi. <laughs> what was that? What's my title? What is your title? Oh, sorry, the evil queen of Creepy Kingdom. <laughs> How could I forget that? <laughs> Oh, you're in trouble now. <laughs> How could I forget it? I didn't have it written down, so I forgot. Um, and next to her is our special guest, Miss Mallory O'Mara. The, the author of the book, The Creature, The Lady from the Black Lagoon, written about Millicent Patrick, which we're going to get into in just a moment. And all the way down there is my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the owner of NightmarishConjurings.com, Miss Shannon McGrew. <laughs> Can I swear on this podcast? No. <laughs> I forgot to ask that. Wait, really? We can't swear? It's like our worst rule. He won't let us swear. Yeah. You can swear. Uh, He'll bleep it out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we figured I would just tell everyone while we're doing it instead of beforehand. Good to know. Right on. Mm-hmm. No, just be yourself. You know, say what you want. It's fine. I was gonna say you've read the book. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Our guest. <laughs> All right. So, your book is about Millicent Patrick, and obviously. She's got something to do with the creature from the Black Lagoon, which I want to get into. (laughs) But one of the really interesting things that Millicent did that I want to start off our talk with is that she is a former Disney animator. And Shannon actually was reading your book first. I read the book first. I used to want to be an animator for Disney. Um, And when I got to that part, I was like, what the Freaking is this. <laughs> Good and save there. Uh, thank you. And I was blown away because I had only known of her from what I've seen that you had posted. I had no idea that she was an animator. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense in the context of her career. Yeah, I always say that Millicent Patrick is sort of like the Forrest Gump of the 1950s. She just, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we know her now um, as the creator, the designer of the creature from the Black Lagoon, but she did so, so much more than that, and that's really where her career started, was working at Disney. And how much interaction did she have with Disney? Quite well, a bit, actually. Yeah. He's the one who hired her. So Millicent Patrick, uh, she went to college at a place called the Schoonard Institute, which is the 
you know, forebearer of what we now know known as Cal Arts. And the cool thing about the Schoenard Institute is it was owned and operated by this woman named Nelbert Schoenard, and she was the only one back in the day, because this was before Disney was Disney, and Disney now, at that period of time, was broke as heck. Um, Thank you. But he knew that to make the film, the kind of films that he really needed to make, he needed to train his animators in a very specific way. And But he couldn't afford to send any of them to art school. And Nelbert Schoenard was the only one who said, you know what, I know you can't pay me now, but bring your animators down and we'll figure it out. So a pipeline formed from Schoenard to Disney. And so while he was there waiting for his animators to get out of class, he basically had his pick of all the top artists at Schoenard. And Millicent caught his eye and he hired her. Which is interesting considering that Disney was not the biggest fan of female animators, or females being animators. Yeah, Disney has a, how do I say this in a way that doesn't involve swearing? Uh, <laughs> Disney, Disney is everyone's problematic fave. Yes. Uh, as the kids would say, Disney had a lot of issues, but he, he did his, it was interesting, you know those guys on Twitter that think they're feminist, yes. but they're actually not. Yes. That's kind of how Disney was, is that he tried, he tried to make things very easy for women at Disney, but only in a certain capacity. He like, tried to make it very easy for them to work for the men, if that makes sense. That does, unfortunately. But there were female animators, and eventually Which, the, you, can't, you can't, keep, can't keep us down. At least he was willing to give them a chance. Yes. Unlike some other studios that wouldn't even yes. do that. Or like somebody but. we're going to get to shortly. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> so, um, but just, sorry, just to point out, um, the, the person who owned the school, who he made that deal with, mm-hmm. was a very, very smart woman. We just wanted to point that yeah. out there. Um, but yeah, you know, she, Disney didn't have any money. She knew they couldn't pay him. And she looked at it and was like, okay, here's a way that I can, I can get ahead and whatnot. So that one of the things I really liked about the book is that we didn't just learn about Millicent. We learned about so many people and so many, like, strong, smart women. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah. To, that's- like. Well, that's where the Forrest Gump part comes in, um, is that, honestly, she, she interacted with so many incredible people throughout the course of her life. Not only that did she do so many things, but she was helped along the way and helped and interacted with and was friends with and sometimes dated all kinds of huge, huge, huge personalities. Excellent. So... <laughs> um, there's a film called The Reluctant Dragon. There is a film called The Reluctant Dragon. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, it, it was one of the very first films that uh, we reviewed on the Creepy Kingdom podcast. Really? <laughs> I'm and, sorry. Uh, how, many of you, <laughs> how many of you have seen the film Reluctant Dragon? A handful. All right, this is actually the fourth... Some deep cuts here. Yes, <laughs> this is the fourth Disney film of all time. It gets swept under the rug. Some people think, uh, you know... Dumbo and Bambi all around there, but Reluctant Dragon. And before you watch it, it looks like an animated film about a dragon. (laughs) That's not what it is. Incorrect. (laughs) It is a big commercial for Disney Studios. It it technically shows how they did animation. So on on that podcast, I would say, if you just went to the movies, like, oh, it's the next Disney animated feature. I can't wait. Instead, it's just showing step-by-step how they did animation at the time. That would be disappointing, to say the least. But it's also fascinating to show the techniques that they used. 
um, like the uh, the multiplane camera, <laughs> which I can't explain it. But it's a movie for nerds. <laughs> it's, it's, Let's yeah, just yeah, get yeah. it. Is it is enjoyable, but it's it's weird. And so, if you're that kind of nerd and you really want to see the camera, you can go up north to San Francisco to the Walt Disney Museum. They have it there. I'm sure it is the same camera from The Reluctant Dragon. Probably. Is yeah. that the film that Millicent worked on? No, she didn't work on it. She uh, was I believe it. that she is actually oh. in this film. <laughs> yes, it was her very first on-screen role because the thing about Reluctant Dragon is it's an amalgamation of live action and animation. There's several animated shorts that in the wraparound is this. There's this guy who's a famous comedian at the time and he's his whole thing is that he's like, I'm going to sneak onto the Disney lot and pitch Disney my idea, giving so many generations of people the wrong idea about how you can make movies in Hollywood. <laughs> and he, he, so he gets, he just, it's just him walking around Disney Studios and it's like, oh, look how animated movies are made. Uh, and during the live action parts, there's a scene where he goes into this drawing class and there's a bunch of people drawing an elephant and Millicent is in there and it was her first on-screen role. But she was just playing herself. She was just drawing and you can see it. You can, I shouldn't say this, please, Disney. I feel like if I, I'm, say, I'm going to say this and someone from Disney is going to rappel down from the stealing and <laughs> slice my neck. But you can see it on YouTube for free if you do some creative searching. I'm Nobody sure, murder me, please. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. That's where that's where I saw it. Is initially. it really? Yeah. No, I think it, Disney took everything off because yeah. they're making you know. Oh well, it'll be on Disney Plus soon. Yeah, <laughs> no longer on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Go to YouTube. Or on YouTube, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm an author. I don't have a lot of money. Okay. It's okay. That's all right. We'll let it slide. Uh, <laughs> so, so with that, there's some debate whether Millicent was the first female Disney animator. You want to touch on that controversial topic? Yeah. Well, and, and Millicent herself said that she was the first female animator. But the problem is, if you know anything about animation or films in general, it's very, very difficult to like. There's not like a big. It's not like a game of capture the flag. With animation, so many different steps are happening at so at different times, mm -hmm. and you have to define what it means by to be the first animator. Is it the first first person who sees their work on screen? Is it the first movie that came out? Is it the first person who drew a drawing? In which case, it's absolutely impossible because it's not like a, an alarm would start going off and someone would be like, "Ah, oh, she's animating, get her!" Like that's not <laughs> that's not what happens. So all I can say for sure, like I actually don't feel comfortable saying that she isn't the first female animator, but I cannot with any certainty say that she was. I know that she was one of the first. I know that the first credited female animator, which is a woman named Retta Scott, she R Millicent saw her work on the big screen before Retta did, but she wasn't credited for it. Mm. So with with film, especially back then, where the credits were so different than they are now, it really is impossible to say if she was the first. Well, we'll just call her the first. Sure. <laughs> Why not? It's official. <laughs> Someone, so, and I, I can hear a bunch of men on Twitter, they're just like, oh, Mallory has a wrong opinion. I gotta, I gotta get it. Even though, yeah, even though they can't, they just sense it. They, there's a disturbance it. in the. It's, in like the animal, it's like when force. animals sense an earthquake. They're like, oh, there's a woman on Twitter who's wrong. Oh, I gotta get her. Male Twitter. <laughs> oh, their ears are twitching. Another thing uh, legendary that Millicent did while she was at Disney was she was involved in the Fantasia segment yes. of Night on Bald Mountain. Chernabog. Creating okay. Chernabog. So how many of you, when you read that part, were just like, <gasps> right? Like, we love Chernabog. You know, he's my first. He's my first favorite monster. Yeah, he's, for sure. He, he's all of our like most of our first childhood, in you know, introduction to monsters and yes. whatnot. And yeah, reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, she did. I literally bought like, a Chernabog 
What was that thing at Disney that I bought that I didn't even use? Oh, it was like this uh, mug, but it had lit up. It lit up as a Turner box. I was like, I'm never going to use this. I'm going to put it somewhere. Amazing. And like... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that was just... That was was my first, like, tie-in, I guess, when I was reading the book. Where I was just like, this woman... Is going to be amazing. She's a queen. <laughs> She's a, yeah. For for me, Chernobog was definitely. It was my first exposure to monsters. It was the first time I had ever felt fear. It was the first time that anything. Ever, you know, when you're a kid, you're like a, a goldfish. You know, things go like you're just paying attention to whatever's in front of your face. For me, watching. Um, Fantasia, I mean, I like all of Fantasia, but the Night on Bald Mountain sequence was the first time I had ever thought about a piece of art after I had consumed it in some way. I was, like, mm. thought about it. I was definitely like, oh, this is the guy's under my bed and going to eat my feet. But I was still thinking about it, and it was the fir- my first exposure to horror, and finding out that she animated that sequence... Uh, I, my jaw dropped. Like it was an actual, literal. I'm not not literal in the like, haha. Oh my god, literally. Like literal, my jaw dropped open. A moment. Well, don't you have a certain tattoo? I have a tattoo on my neck. But wait, I have a Chernobog. What is like? Awesome. Uh, what an amazing like message from the universe. You know that you're on the right. Oh, for sure. Path. Like you know, people are all oh, send me a sign. You know, if I'm doing the right thing. Like <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I get it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, and actually, something we didn't really bring up, I, I, I assume most people read the book, but uh, some that haven't, it's not just about Millicent. Half of the book is about your journey figuring out <laughs> all this information. Yes, that was, uh, I, that, I made that choice for several reasons. One, I, when I started writing it, if you know me or listen to my show or hear me talk at all, this is just how I talk. I couldn't write a dry biography, but also when I was preparing to write the book, I read a ton of biographies to, to gear up for it. And my queen, Shirley Jackson, who is my favorite author, uh, I listened to the 18 and a half hour long audiobook of the biography uh, of her life, uh, A Rather Haunted Life by Ruth Franklin. It's incredible. And by the end of that, audiobook, you know what kind of underwear Shirley Jackson wore. You know her favorite <laughs> snacks. You know the, wow. the, the, uh, her, the, the socks that her kids like to wear. You know every single detail about her life. And after I was finished, I was like, wow, that was amazing. I know everything about Shirley Jackson and I absolutely cannot write this book like that. Because the thing mm. about it is that I was like, I want to know what kind of Shirley, underwear Shirley Jackson wore because I'm obsessed with her. Nobody knows who Millicent Patrick is. Nobody, I had to give people a reason to care. Right. And I realized that to give them a reason to care, I had to bring, I had to personalize her in some way. And the reason why people need to care about Millicent Patrick is because what happened to Millicent Patrick is still happening right now. Absolutely. To me and every other woman that I know. And so mm. folding in my own experiences, both just as a woman in the world and as a woman in the horror world and as a woman in the horror industry or in the, uh, in the film industry, it was the only way I knew how to make people care. And a lot of people don't like the book because of that. Uh, I get a lot of angry emails about all the swearing. Um, oh boy! One from James. No. <laughs> it was very strongly worded the email. No profanity, but very strong words. Very strong words. It's just the the title of it is hack. Hack you. Uh, but that's and once I started writing it like that, it was like it, something had unlocked, and all of the book just started coming out. And, and I pitch it as Julie and Julia for weirdos, and it, the book just kind of became what it is. And I couldn't tell it any other way. Well, I think that's what makes it so relatable, though. Thank you. 
Please tell all the men on Amazon that. <laughs> Happily, James told me I have to stop fighting with people online. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me that. Uh, I'll tell them. Thank you, Roxy. <laughs> uh, I am... Um, I found myself doing something that I hardly ever do when I was reading it. I, I was reading it out loud. Oh, um, I thought you were talking about the highlighting. No, <laughs> I highlight a lot. Okay, I'm sorry I highlighted your book. Thank you. Um, That's my book full of her highlights and notes and my bad. That it's signed, signed to me. <laughs> my bad. Um, no, I, I, I found myself reading it out loud to my husband because he would be in the same room with me and he'd be playing a video game or, you know, doing whatever he was doing. And... Your writing is so good and so funny. Oh, don't make me cry. That I just, I, I'd go back and I'd read like a whole, and then I would just keep reading. And finally he was like, look, either you're going to read the whole book out loud to me or you got to tone it down. He goes, because I can't, I'm only getting like a quarter of the story here. But Thank you so it, much. It was, it's really, really well written. It's Thank funny. You. It's personal like i like the swear words you know i like the swear i words. like them too we're just we have sponsors what i think is really great about the book which we touched upon a little earlier was that millicent wasn't perfect yes and it's always tough when you find out that your hero isn't 100 percent pure yep it was that was rough but it, for me, I, I went through, I went so, back and forth so many times. And actually, there's one particular line in the book that I took out, took out of one version of the book, and I only put it in at like the, put it back in at the eleventh hour because my best friend told me to take it out, and then my agent and my editor told told me to put it back in. And the, I'll tell you after. Okay. Oh, it's a secret. I thought we were gonna drop a bomb here on the show. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I'll I'll, I'll tell you after. What Don't tell anybody. Out. <laughs> uh, I'm watching you all <laughs> um, it, it, I went back and forth with a lot of things because I'm so protective of her she means so much to me I didn't want people I'm working so hard to get people to know who she is that I didn't want anyone to be I, didn't, I wanted her to be airtight I didn't want anyone to be able to tear her down in any way you know, I didn't want anyone to say anything bad about her. You know, it's like that old YouTube video, like, don't be mean to Britney. I don't want people to be mean to, <laughs> to Millicent Patrick. Oh, can you make that video? I want Millicent? that now. <laughs> Leave Millicent alone. <laughs> I, <laughs> me with the sheet. But we were all mad. Like, we, yes. were, we were all mad. And I'm, I'm, you know, we were talking about it before the show started. I'm glad you left that in yes. there and let us be mad at her. Yes, because women are worth writing about even if they screw up. And it was very important for me to, to show people that what, her accomplishments are worthy of praise and of being never forgotten even though she screwed up. Because that means that we are worthy of that even though we screw up. And I so screw up I, all the time. Amen. <laughs> I screw up all the time. All the and, time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're all awesome. Hell yes. <laughs> Uh, so I put it all in there. I put every dirty secret, every bad decision she made, because women are messy, and it, it, you know you can still make things even if you make make bad decisions. You can still make things even if though you struggle with depression or anxiety or whatever. You know I, I'm sick of. We get so few role models. We really, really do. Yeah. And I, I didn't want. At first, I didn't want anyone to not have Millicent as a role model because she made these mistakes. But for me, she's even more of a role model mm. because she made them and because she didn't let them take her down. She didn't let them define her. Yep. 
And it's important that we have role models, we as adults, but especially as kids who aren't perfect. I used to have um, in lipstick on my bathroom mirror, I, I had, um, I don't want to be pretty, I want to be perfect written on my bathroom mirror for years and years and years. And oh, it girl. wasn't, right? And it wasn't <laughs> until I got older and like stronger and started seeing these women that I loved had flaws that I was just like, you know what? I don't need to be perfect. And like, no. but I think it's super important that yes. our role models show us that they are not perfect because if they are, we, we can't do that. Nobody yeah. is. Yes, absolutely. Millicent reminded me that you don't have to be aggressive all the time. Yes. Yes. Oh, well, yeah? I'm, Really? <laughs> you want to do this right here? Do you want to do this right here? Like, when are you practicing this non-aggression? Um, <laughs> that shit is superpower, okay? <laughs> I have not fought with men on the internet in like a few weeks. Okay. Shannon has a counter, all right? She has to tick back to zero. And you know what's been going on. Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. It's been 10 days yes. since Shannon has fought with a man on the internet. Yes. Incredible. <laughs> no, but she had, there were moments where I was so angry at her because I was like, just say something. Like, stand up for yourself. Be aggressive. I'm not saying I'm always aggressive. I just, I'm just teasing. You know how to get what I want sometimes. Like, some people should. And it got me so mad. And I was like, you don't always have to fight every battle. No, and that's, well, that was the other thing is that it drove me crazy because I was doing that to her too. I was so mad at her. And then I was like, God, so I'm victim blaming her. I'm doing to her what everybody else did to her. You know, not only did she get, she has to do all of the work, not get mad at all of the men who were not good. I'm not going to swear. Not good to her. But then she has to fight all of her battles and, and, and fight e extra hard. Like, how, how hard is she, does she have to work? When does she get to say, screw it? Mm. When does she get to walk away? And that's when I, it was a huge breakthrough for me. And I was able to, when I forgave her, I forgave myself for a lot of those things. Because there was a lot of, I, I, and I include some of them in the book, you know, times when I was like, God, I, I should have said something. I should have said something. It's like, no. What, when do I just get to do my work? You know, when do I just get mm -hmm. to write or make movies or whatever and not have to do everything else on top of on top of all of it? You know, yeah. make sure I'm wearing something that isn't too skimpy. Make sure my makeup is fine. I have to do so much extra work anyways. Why do I have to do Do I have mm. to clean up everybody else's mess? Yeah. yeah. You don't. I don't. <laughs> and, it, and, we, and we do, we, you know, as as women, especially as feminists, we get mad at ourselves and we feel like we've let ourselves down if we don't fight those fights and say those things and stand up. And, and that was a big part of us getting angry at her because of that. We're getting we were like, mad at ourselves. Yeah. Cause we get mad at ourselves for doing it, but you know, and I was mad, I was mad. And then you said it in the book and I was like, took a breath and I was like, Oh yeah. All right. Well maybe, maybe it is okay to just take a breath every once in a while and just keep living your life okay because like, the truth is there were tons of people at universal that knew what happened to millicent was wrong and some of them fought for her and some of them didn't but it couldn't have been anybody else to do that for her that had nothing to lose that could have helped her out but and didn't work that's like the perfect segue i was about to say let's let's talk about what made you guys so mad <laughs> Yes, let's talk. Because <laughs> we were just talking about Disney stuff, and that's all awesome. <laughs> um, but, of course, she went on to work for Universal in the makeup department um, for several years. And then she got to create, design, the creature from the Black Lagoon. So how... 
did she get into that role? So the Millicent got into Universal because she was working as a background actress. And if you've ever made a movie, been in a movie, read books about movies, I'm assuming everyone in this theater is uh, a nerd in some capacity, um, you know that there's a lot of downtime on set, especially if you're an actor. And Millicent used all that time to, because she was still an artist, and she would sketch portraits of her co-stars, especially the big, big stars of the film. She just Mm -hmm. loved sketching portraits. And when she was on uh, the Universal lot working, you know, she was a background role in some movie, she was in the makeup chair getting ready to be made up and showed her portfolio of portraits to a man named Bud Westmore, who is the head of I love you. Uh, who is the head of the Universal that, Makeup that's Department. A for, that's a profanity we can't use either. <laughs> <laughs> if, if his name becomes the shorthand for a jerk, I am so happy about yes. it. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. Things don't add well between Bud and Nelson. Uh, well, yeah, he started so well. Well, yeah, he so he saw these portraits and was very impressed. And so the thing about Bud Westmore is that he took over from a man that a lot of people might know here, named Jack Pierce, who's the king of monsters. And so he, Bud Westmore, was incredible at beauty makeup, but he wasn't fantastic at monster makeup and horror stuff. So he really needed somebody in in the shop to be designing because he was doing a lot of administrative duties and beauty stuff, and he needed somebody there to design monsters. Uh, and well, sci-fi stuff is that what they were gearing up for at the time, and so he hired her on the spot. So he was really the one to discover her for the you know for this particular type of work, and you would think that that would make him really proud of her, and he would want to tell everybody about that. You would you think? Look, He's trash. For those for those of you that haven't read the book, just so you really understand, what we're talking about Bud Westmore was. A- Okay. He's like trash. Oh my God. Trash. <laughs> Look, I swore on your show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I swore on our show. No, he was a horrible, <laughs> horrible piece of human being. Like the epitome of fragile male ego. Oh, yes. He absolutely. wasn't as talented as his brothers, so. He took credit for everyone else's work. He was in charge, so he was allowed to do that. And, and back in the day, like you were saying, in movie credits, they didn't credit everyone. They only credited the head of the departments. And he was the head of the department. And therefore, he was allowed to take credit. But he took credit for everything that everyone did, and especially this. You want to hear a really alert. funny story you post-book? Yeah. Yes. So here's, here's <laughs> something special. I don't think I've ever told this story on a, on a podcast. Um, so I really like bourbon, uh, like a lot of authors do. Uh, and uh, so when I had already finished the book, and I, th- I forget what point in time, uh, like where the book was in, in production, but I went to BevMo, and I was with my ex at the time, and I was wearing a creature pin. And I'm going oh. to check out, and I have my bottle of bourbon, and the guy's like, oh... You like Creature from the Black Lagoon, huh? And my boy, my, my ex at the time is like, oh, yeah, someone's going to Creature Splain Mallory. I love watching this stuff. <laughs> and I'm like gearing up. I'm like, oh, give me the strength today, Satan, please. Okay, here we go. And he's like, did you know that my, uh, my great uncle designed that? And I was like, what? Oh, yes. What? Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I cannot believe that I kept a straight face. Working at BevMo. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. And, and I was like, Oh really? <laughs> your is your uncle a man named Bud Westmore? And he was like, "Yeah. How do you know that?" And my ex is cracking up. This poor man has no idea what's about to happen to him. This is incredible. And I was because and during the course of the book, I could not get the Westmores to talk to me. By the way, 
So I'm like, this is my really? end. Yeah, I could not get them to talk to me. And so I was like, this is my end. Oh, my God. And so I'm like, okay, I have two options. I can either tear this guy a new one or I can use it as, use this as my way to talk to the Westmores. So I kept a very straight face and I was like, I would love to hear about this. <laughs> oh, my God. I would love to talk to you Manipulation about is a beautiful tool. And he was like, and I'm feeding it. He's like, oh, yeah, Bud Westmore. He, 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 you know, he was known for the creature. He did all this stuff. And I was like, wow, amazing. <laughs> Here's my email address. Email me. And he never did. So, and, but then I went back because I buy a lot of bourbon and <laughs> a few weeks later and he checked me out again and he saw me and he was, he, I could see, recognize me immediately. And I, he was like, Oh yeah. Uh, I'm so sorry. I never emailed you. What I think happened is he Googled me. Yeah. Found out what book I was writing and decided not to be involved with it. But now it is sweet, sweet poetic justice that Bud Westmore's great, great, uh, great nephew uh, sells me my booze at Bedmo. <laughs> Did did you reach out to them after the book or uh, not after the book but before the like while you were researching? Yeah, multiple times. And did you tell mm. them what it was? About? No, I kept really. I was just like, I just want to know about Bud Westmore. I didn't say anything about Millicent. I'm not. I'm, wow, and they wouldn't respond. I think people because uh, now my name, me and Millicent, are like this on the internet. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, we oh, went well. through when we were at. Uh, Universal Studios Hollywood, if you go on the... Yeah, the Bud Westmore building. And I'd never seen it before, and I took a picture, and I plan on doing some stuff to that picture. <laughs> I'm posting it on my Instagram stories. <laughs> so. and the, the sad part is, my, so Michael Westmore is uh, his nephew and is an incredible makeup artist and mm. still works and does a lot of great work, and he even calls Bud his evil Uncle Bud. <laughs> I was going to say, the Westmore family is not really fond of his memory. They're not though, fond of right? any of them. They're like, all, <laughs> a lot of the bad stuff I got about the Westmores, I got from Frank Westmore, who was one of the Westmore brothers, and mm. he wrote a book called The Westmores of Hollywood, and he wrote, it was like his tell-all about how terrible him and his brothers were. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't make any of it up. Like, I, I don't have to. They, they backstabbed each other. They talked so much crap about each other. They actively tore each other down. I'm honestly surprised there isn't a, a series about them because it'd be a great TV show. <laughs> it'd be like wow. Game of Thrones with no dragons. Anybody want to <laughs> pitch that? Do we know I was like, Game of Thrones, no dragons? <laughs> is that a good show? <laughs> with makeup. I'm not ready okay. to talk They're about it. They're replacing dragons with makeup. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Right. I'd watch it. Right on. So, <laughs> since the book has come out, um, I'm sure a lot of people have probably been coming out of the woodwork wanting to talk more about, about the creature. Was there any new information that you found since the book's been out? Unfortunately not. Um, the, the problem with books like these is that you're really racing against the clock. Uh, during one of my events, when I... Uh, oh, where was it? Oh, it was the Reseda Library when I was in conversation with an incredible writer named Anya Stanley. Uh, oh. She's, yeah, she's a gem. Yeah. Uh, in the audience was Millicent Patrick's best friend's manager and his wife, and they knew Millicent personally. Hmm. Problem is, they're very old, and they didn't tell me a single thing that I didn't already know, um, but they were very sweet. Uh, and Lee Trent, who was Millicent's last husband, his grandniece emailed me but she didn't, again didn't tell me anything I didn't already know she just wanted more information from me and I felt really bad because I think she was trying to get me to tell her stuff without buying the book because she was like I would love to see a picture of them and I was like there's one in the book <laughs> <laughs> sorry lady <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, nothing. Unfortunately, no, nothing has come out. And there, if you read the book, and the, there's an afterword because I didn't want to put anything in there that I couldn't 100% verify. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking about those men on Twitter who love to tell me that I'm wrong. So I really didn't want to put anything in there that I couldn't absolutely. I didn't want to put anything in there that like she said like once as fact. Uh, but there were a couple of things that she did say once as like that she did. Um, she said that she worked on Vertigo. Kim Novak's makeup in Vertigo. She said that she worked on Bugs Bunny. There were a couple of things that she said that she worked on, but I couldn't find any more information about them besides them being on several versions of her resume. And I'm still hoping that someday something comes out and I can do another version. Um, I will tell everybody, this is, I'm supposed to wait until October. Don't tell my editor this. All right, uh, don't tell her editor. This is all just again, between us and this room. I will room. find you. Just between us and the internet. Uh, <laughs> but the, book, the, uh, the paperback version of the book is coming out in March. Uh, but no new information made it into the paperback. Unfortunately. A spelling error was corrected, though. <laughs> uh, did a man on Twitter find it? <laughs> Probably. No, actually, uh, she, no, a woman found one of them, and the other one I found because the copy editor changed it. That Elsa Linchester's Lin- oh. name is misspelled in the book, and it got changed in one of the copy edit passes, and I didn't notice. Oh, that's and when it annoying. came out, I was like, no, everyone's going to think I'm a fake horror girl. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, well, what about a uh, fan reaction, I guess? Have you had any interesting uh, interactions since your book's come out with some fans <laughs> of yours or fans of the creature? <laughs> oh, how am I going to say this in a way that's not explicit? Okay. Just, just say, say, say what you oh. feel. Just say it. <laughs> uh, We're all friends here. I am now the personal confidant. Are there any children in this audience? No. <laughs> I am now the personal confident, confidant for every monster in the world. <laughs> You know, when I wrote Congratulations. Wow. When I wrote this book, I was like, great, this I'm gonna connect with horror fans and film fans and Disney fans, art fans, feminism fans, and people who like to have sex with monsters. <laughs> Unexpected last one. Um now, the, 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 the response to this book has been absolutely overwhelming, uh, especially considering this is probably the first book that started getting hate mail before it came out. So I Congratulations. Was, I was wait a minute. Yeah. Bud Westmore stands. No, wait a minute. I'm still confused about the monster. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> like, and she understand, you, you understand hate mail. Just yes. not monster. People yeah. who didn't believe that Millicent uh, designed creature... We're, were already emailing me before before I even wrote it. When it was announced that I was doing it, were emailing me and telling me that she didn't do it. She was just somebody's girlfriend. Yada yada yada. Uh, so I was convinced that like 50 people who like creature were going to buy this book, and I was stoked on that, and that was going to be fine. The response has been over the moon, incredible. Mm-hmm. Every single event that I do, I talk to people who love creature, women are in, who are in horror, who say that this book made them make makes them feel seen, that it is the first time they've ever really felt understood, and it's that it is the greatest honor of my life. However, <laughs> alongside that are people who are like who are very sexually attracted to Creature from the Black Lagoon and they want to talk about that. And I'm wow. not here to judge them. You <laughs> okay. know? Yeah. Do your thing. Guillermo made a whole movie about it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, my but pal Mike like, got sculpted that butt. Like, I'm with you, girl. But it definitely makes me my all of my signings become a confessional for people who are very, very like they want to bone the creature. And so I have now over months of practice, I'm good at keeping my face very straight and not ju- ju- judgmental. 
think that's great. As you say, that's great. Because <laughs> the problem with it is they come to me as if I'm going to be like, yeah. Oh, the, <laughs> that's the subtext that they read we in the book. We are simpatico. Like, I love Creech. I don't want to bone Creech. Me and Creech are very platonic. I, uh, I understand. I'm a big fan of Shape of Water. I understand the feelings, but it's not something I share. So they come to me, and I can see the disappointment in their eyes when I'm not like, Aww. oh, yeah, creature (laughs) i'm sorry i'm i belong to the wolfman like i i'm so sorry i'm here for you though so that's probably the most unexpected one i cannot even imagine that like i can't ever imagine that i'm gonna forward you a website (laughs) please don't oh god no oh yeah wait till you see this there's some dark corners of the internet that i'm not ready for james is like okay this is family family black lagoons if you will I'm not here to judge you. The world is ending. We're living in a, in a psych- like a dystopian nightmare land. You know, get it where you can get it. No, right? Of course, of course. I'm not here to judge you. <laughs> I, I, well, okay. I, I love people's kinks. I love hearing about people's kinks. Cause, you want to trade? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to kind of do it for a living, so I, I, I like hearing about people's kinks. But it, every once in a while, something will come up that I never thought of. And that, that's... Rule 34, my friend. That is what I've, I've never, like, really thought about. Oh, I blame Guillermo now, del Toro. Neither did I, but now I'm forced to. Right? Like, <laughs> I have no right. choice. <laughs> James is like, great, this is wonderful. I was just like, wow, that was, it took a turn I was not expecting. It's hard save! <laughs> I want this podcast to go for, like, four hours. This is amazing. <laughs> If you're fans of ours, you know we can do that easily. <laughs> yes, we can ramble. But uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm really caught off guard by that one. So we'll we'll steer back on track here. Um, what about um, do you have any uh, future plans to take any deep dives in horror? <laughs> Please write another book. I Well, I'm working on my she second is. book right now. I sold an, uh, another book. It's called Girly Drinks. It's the history of women drinking. Uh, on brand for me. <laughs> yep. um, <laughs> um, and I have a, a YA nonfiction that I'm working on right now uh, about filmmaking. And I have... There is another woman in film that worked on another big monster franchise that I am not actively working on because I don't have a time turner. I'm unfortunately not Hermione Granger, however, however much I try. Uh, but I, have, I do, I would like to return to the horror world at some point. Um, and then there is another nonfiction that's like three years away. But it's also about women in another area of history. That's awesome. I have a brand. <laughs> I like talking about ladies doing things and drinking. I can only I like. imagine the emails you're gonna get about women drinking. Already getting them. <laughs> Already getting them. Good. You know what, though? Beauty of being a woman on the internet. <laughs> but I'm I'm glad you have a brand. Like I'm 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 glad this book came out when it did and is what it is. And I'm glad that you have a brand. And I'm glad that you're sticking to that because every single woman in this audience, every single woman in this place, you know, needs to read stuff like that to know, especially as especially our younger generation to know that the stuff that happens to them it's not just them 
you know, and it's important. And it's also important for guys to read it because a lot of men, since it doesn't happen to them, they don't know what happens to us. Yes. You know, yes. they're not bad guys. I'm not saying any of you guys are bad guys. Maybe that one Please right there. <laughs> I was waiting for it. But, um, <laughs> but no, but a, a lot of men, I have, I have a couple of really good friends and they're both gay men and they, uh, you were there, we were talking about going to the doctor and how being a woman going to the doctor, you're always questioned and stuff like that. And oh, they yeah. literally had no idea that we went through stuff like that. So I, I, I think it, it's really, really good that you're going to keep doing this and writing these books and, and, and showing the side of everything. I was actually, uh, to piggyback on that other question, I was really surprised by the male response to this book. Mm. So many men read this book and love it and get, get it for their girlfriends. Hey. And <laughs> Sister. Oh, yikes. Wow. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay. Well, there's a lot of dark <laughs> subjects we're covering in this panel. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, that was all my women in their lives. Yeah, for the women. For in the their women in their lives. Uh, but, but yes, I was very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised by the amount of men who read and loved this book. Uh, and I owe a huge debt of all the women who put together and marched forward with the Me Too movement. Because I wrote this book before I started, I started pitching this book before Me Too happened and before Shape of Water happened. And it was very difficult to sell it. And there were really, I mean, there was a lot of editors who were interested in the book if I cut my part of it out. And they wanted it to be a straight biography. And then my editor, Peter Joseph, who is incredible, I am very ride or die for him, he loved it and wanted to do it and then about a few months after we sold it me too happened and then uh shape of water got announced and all of a sudden i get a call from peter and he's like hey how fast can you write <laughs> <laughs> and so this book this actually this book came out three months before it was supposed to it was this wow. book was supposed to come out in june and we decided to do march because it's women women's history month and so he was like because books come out on tuesdays Nobody really knows why, but books come out on Tuesdays, and we picked the first Tuesday in March, and we didn't, no one, I didn't even realize until the book has already finished that that was the 65th anniversary of Creature. We, oh, I wow. swear on my life we did not choose it. It was just like, cool, first Tuesday in March, awesome, Women's History Month, badass, oh, shit, oh. Ass is um, okay. There's jackass and stuff okay. like that. So. <laughs> um, and, but because of the Me Too movement, all of a sudden that way had been paved and people were suddenly very interested in hearing these stories and they were interested in believing them. And then Shape of Water came out and all of a sudden people, A, were interested in Creature. And by people, I mean not you guys. Ever. We're, we've, we're always yeah. interested in Creature. I mean normal people <laughs> were interested in Creature from the Black Lagoon again and it was sort of back in the public consciousness. Um, but also then Shape of Water won the Oscars. And it, which made all of us cry and shows show the rest of the world that monster stories aren't just like weird kid things. It's, not, it's like comics, you know. Monster, monster stories are the oldest, most important stories that we have, and they should be taken very, very seriously and win incredible Academy Awards. And so with all of those three things combined, um, I'm, I don't believe in luck. I worked my butt off on this book. I put my, all of my savings and all of, so much of my time into it, but I am very, very fortunate that all of those things came together and the book came out at the exact right time. Yeah. Perfect storm. Another example of you were right where you were supposed to be when you were doing it. Like. The universe provided. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just take three years and spend all of your money, and then eventually the universe will. Yeah, yeah that's how things get done, right? The universe is like, oh, crap, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> I 
forgot. I didn't realize you were broke. Yeah, here's your... Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you learned in this panel, to take all your money, <laughs> the universe will do it for you. Yeah. And by the universe, it's the Creepy Kingdom Patreon. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Just bought that, that, you sign up at the $1,000 a month tier... Yeah, the universe will provide it yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, great. Should we do some Q&A? Yes, I was about to drop that. I know that you're a professional q and a Do not screw around with Shannon. But I was just about to say, uh, do anyone have any questions? This is your time. This is it. <laughs> All right. It's uh, our time down are you here. Gonna, uh, Shannon, will you... Microphone? Not... Are you gonna, you're closest. Yeah. No. <laughs> go, go over there. <laughs> This is being recorded for a podcast. <laughs> is there Slack? No. You got your purse over there? Man, this is a popsicle stick operation here. All right. <laughs> well, uh, uh, speaking of podcasts, uh, I was just curious how um, working on reading glasses and being, obviously you were already in the bookish community, but even more involved in talking with authors regularly, how that sort of um, influenced you, your process writing your first book. So on paper, it looks like I'm a genius. <laughs> uh, um, so I, because Reading Glasses came out in June of 2017, and I sold the book in April of 2017. So on paper, it looks like I sold a book and then started a book podcast. Very smart move. But <laughs> what actually happened was we started signing the contracts for Reading Glasses in January of 2017. But we didn't want, because we were on a network called Maximum Fun, they didn't want to put the podcast out until after their yearly um, fun drive. So we were all set to go, and then I sold my book. And then all of a sudden, my podcast came out, and I didn't really think about it until all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> uh, and, but the, what's funny is it's sort of has gone back and forth because before even I started on reading glasses, I have, I know a lot of authors, authors, if you ever are like, wow, do all authors know each other and hang out? Yes, they do. Especially in genre. It's like the horror community. We all know each other. And I had already just known a ton of people in publishing. I lived in Brooklyn for a while. Um, so it didn't inform it as much. Actually, it helped the podcast. It helped the podcast more than my book because I like just have fr author friends at, like on the podcast as guests. Uh, but it did help me a lot when we were promoting the show. Um, I think the thing that it helped more than anything and it helped inform it was my, was the audiobook. Just the oh hubris on my part when I when my editor approached me to do the audiobook, I was like, I do a podcast. Right. It's I easy. can read an audiobook. Yeah. <laughs> I am dumb. Because uh, my editor was like, you do a literary podcast, people are familiar with your voice, I bet you they really would want to read the audiobook. And I'd never, th I'd never thought about it. And, and then I did the audiobook, and it was extremely difficult, but I'm really glad that I did. And then even now, the audiobook has done so well, and I think a big part of that is the Reading Glasses audience. And... Uh, now going forward, <laughs> in all of my book contracts, it has to be that I'm, I do the audiobook because of that, which is it's wonderful. Uh, but it's something I never really thought about. It's just a, like when you're writing a book, you're just in you're a little goblin in a hole. And I wasn't <laughs> thinking about promoting it. I wasn't thinking about anything on the other side of it. And I definitely wasn't thinking about the audiobook, or I would not have put all those hard words in there. <laughs> oh my god. No French and girly drinks will be written at all. Good God. Um, but 
Yeah, I think it affected the audiobook more than it did anything else. But again, I'm not as smart as you think I am. <laughs> it just on paper, it looks like I'm a genius and started a literary podcast to, per, to help support my book. I wish that I had been that, that <laughs> intelligent. Also, to be fair, the first year we didn't make a dime off of reading glasses. So that's, uh, it's like another thing on the universe. It's like, oh, just work for free for a year right. and then good things will happen to you. <laughs> After this, uh, after this panel, though, if anyone asks you, she is a genius. Yes. Okay, this is, you guys learned this in the panel. Yeah. Like, spread the word. Do you have a question? James, why don't you go hand over the I would love to, <laughs> thank you. Jeez. <laughs> Hi, so I am actually also a writer, but I also have an incredibly uh, time-consuming day job, so the writing's kind of taken, you know, back to seat. Yeah. So um, I love that you are focusing on a woman who um, didn't really get the credit she deserved. I worked in an industry where I would do all of the work and then my boss would take all the credit. Um, I'm so sorry. It it really sucks, but it still happens. This is like 15 years ago. This was still happening. Um, Something that... um, you know, I, I find very interesting is that you do touch on uh, Julia Morgan in the book. And the first time I went to Hearst Castle, I wanted to find out more about her. You can't find out anything about her except for the fact that she was an architect and every book focuses more on Hearst than on her. Yeah. You know, and I live uh, up north next to Pleasanton where she designed the ranch where his mother lived. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely nothing there. Like there's a kid's book that is out and that's like there are a couple books out now yeah well i looked and it's like there's a 112 page one but it again doesn't really go into her as a person more as her as an architect yeah and it's like i'd i'd love to see that and i know you you're talking more about are you asking me to write another book well i've actually i've thought about like why don't you do it doing it do it you know but like i just i wonder if like you know some of the other women that you you encountered while writing this book, if you've considered like maybe delving more into that. None of the women in this book in particular, but there, there are a couple of books about Julia Morgan right now. There are books about Nelbert Chouinard. Um, th- yeah, there's nobody that Millicent um, encountered that I would want to write a book about. I have a very specific brand of stuff that I'm interested in. I like monsters and cocktails and books. Those are the things that I like, um, and all the the one uh, the other woman that I'm interested in writing about was involved with a very big monster franchise, because um, it just I, I can't work on stuff unless it really is in my wheelhouse. But you should write a book about. I'm not even I'm not being facetious. Yeah. I truly think that you should write a book about Julia Morgan because she was an incredible woman. Uh, she was super influential in, in California architecture, and I'm guaranteed that one of you, all of the people in this audience have at least seen one of her buildings. She was really, really an innovator. She was one of those people that, uh, one of those architects that loved to only use uh, resources and materials that were immediately available, which is very green, way before people even came up with the term green. Um, Mill- yeah, Millicent was very fortunate to know so many incredible women, uh, but no, none of the women in the that are mentioned in this book will I be writing a book about but that leaves the gate open for you yeah and on (laughs) that note uh, like seriously um if you find someone in in history or in life or whatnot that speaks to you and you can't find anything about them or even if even if you can you want to put your own spin on it for goodness sake write it 
That's what like, I did. Write a book, write a blog post, write a Facebook post, you know. But if there are people out there that inspire you, get it out there because there are you know, there's going to be a hundred million people that haven't heard of that person. And there's so. a bunch of people out there who are just who are saying who are clamoring for that story. Yeah, you have to just be like, why not me? That's what happened with Millicent. As I for years, I wanted someone somebody to find out what happened to her until finally I was like, well gotta be me okay <laughs> we go all right i think we got this is our last one as we're wrapping it up no pressure <laughs> while i was reading the book i noticed how visual it was and i was curious if you ever see yourself down the road making a documentary or docu-series about melissa st patrick and I'm your not experiences at liberty to say <laughs> Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That's a very good idea. <laughs> uh, it could be no, guys. I don't know. <laughs> is like, temper your expectations. Without my CAA rep coming down from the ceiling and punching me in the nose, is things are things are being discussed. And Magical things. All I the universe is hard at work on that documentary yes. right now. <laughs> the universe has got its sleeves rolled up for sure. Uh, send all your good energy Millicent's way. Yes. All right. Well, um, before we wrap it up, I want to say that Mal, you're going to be signing yes, at, at a Dark Delicacies booth on the yes. floor. Is there a time? Now, I think. Literally now? Right after this. Yeah, oh, I'm okay. going straight there. If you, so if you want a book signed, Dark Del, is, they're selling the books yep. as well. Um, I'm going to be there for like an hour, I think. I think so. I talked to him today. Okay. I think you're supposed to be there at 1.30. What time is it now? 1. Okay. Well, then I will, but I'm sure it's going to take me a long time to get over there. I can take you there. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll be your handler. (laughs) She is an all-purpose girl. Well, thank you so much for doing this show and for coming here and hanging out with us. Oh, God, it was the last line. That was what I almost took out of the book, her dying words. Oh, really? Yes, because they were so depressing. I almost took them out of the book. No, I'm glad you left them in. And my editor and my agent fought for them. And yeah. we left them in. But there was a, several versions of the book that don't have that. Interesting. I'm glad you left it. Yes. So the, but the final version of it has her dying words. Nobody knows that. There we go. Creepy Kingdom exclusive. <laughs> and thank you guys so much for thank coming. You. Yeah, thanks for coming to watch all Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> And if you, if you want to find us, uh, we have a booth in the corridor of Creepy Creeps. Selling their documentary. Selling our documentary, Foolish Mortals, about Haunted Mansion fans. I see some Foolish Mortals in the audience that are actually in the documentary. Yes. All right. Yeah, or just come say hi, take pictures, give us hugs. You know we love you guys. I won't be there. But I will. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Keep it creepy. Thanks again to Mallory for coming doing the live show with us thanks to everyone that was in attendance it was such a fun time <laughs> things got a little wacky as as you heard but we we had a blast doing the show live if you want to contact us here at the cinema crypt you can do so by sending us an email that's creepy kingdom at gmail.com And, of course, for all things Creepy Kingdom, links to all of our social media, for all of our written content, to our videos, including our YouTube show, Creepy Quest. 
Everything Creepy Kingdom can be found at creepykingdom.com. And to support what we do here at Creepy Kingdom, you can become a patron. That's right, at patreon.com slash creepykingdom. I believe in the show there was the $5,000 a month reward or for the universe to give it you want. I don't remember what it was. But we have some lower, uh, more affordable ones, <laughs> tiers as well. So, um, exclusive content, lots of more fun stuff coming your way in the Creepy Kingdom Patreon. If you're already there, but if you're not there, you want to get there. It's patreon.com slash creepykingdom. Okay, well, let's close the crypt. Okay.